0: Hello,
1: my name is Tom Chick and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast, where this week, as you can tell from the music, we are going to be discussing, we have seen, we will spoil, and we will discuss Jane Eyre. See? You guys like that music for being here? No, I don't get it. Why not? Uh, well, if you paid attention to the movie, Kelly Wand, you would know that Rochester was married in Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> the home
2: of the Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, racist.
1: Uh, I am Tom Chick. I am joined by Christian McCroskey, I think.
0: Yeah, Christian McCroskey. Actually, for this, you can just uh, refer to me as Sindin.
1: How very French. Uh, and also, we have Kelly Wand, who might have a Jane Eyre-related tagline for us. I'm hoping. Does it have anything to do with reggae or Jamaica?
2: No, I uh, no. I try. I'm trying to keep him centered on the movie because I think it's cheating now to just say Meet the Gardener, and Ben Affleck. Like that's. I could do that any
1: week. Okay. You, know, you don't. So you're you're saying you don't have a Ben Affleck anecdote for us in lieu of a tagline this week?
2: No, but the one I almost the one before I came up with that resolution was my my idea for the sequel to Atlas Shrugged Part One is Atlas Shrugged Part Two. He finishes shrugging. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you
2: see uh, that? I want? Did, you, did you? I didn't. Okay. No, because you guys made me feel dumb. You've read the book, and you sounded bored. And I haven't read the book, which is the only reason I cared about it. And also, I wanted to know if there's an actual shrug, or like, does Atlas shrug because he doesn't give a shit? Or is it's, it a like, huge
1: is meta- it's a huge metaphor. It's a metaphor, you see. For the world moving? Or, no, for, or for the world not caring?
2: Because <laughs> a shrug could be either.
1: No, it's not the world. It's the idea that Atlas, who's supposed to support the world, right. doesn't shrugging, care. So, doesn't as a care. metaphor... And the, the metaphor is, according to Ann Rand's uh, objectivist musings, or whatever you want to call them, is yeah. that the sweat of and the work and the labor and the brain power of the people who support the world—they they should withdraw it from the world. You know, this whole greed is good kind of thing. Like they they've earned that. They shouldn't have to share it. No one else should be expected to, to support the world. It's anti collectivism. So I still don't get right, it. Right Ever now, Kelly I- one. You know what, that's fine, because there's really nothing to get, but I have just now spoiled everything Ayn <laughs> Rand ever had to say about anything for you. So there you go.
2: You can it was a great spot, because I still know nothing about it. Like, I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, so the sweat makes it slipperier, and that made him, trip, like, slip? It's like Atlas slipped, and they shrug, he's
1: stretching because he's readjusting. Right, you are now giving it way more, more. than Anne Rand <laughs> ever gave. Her philosophy. Yes. Only my version's longer. Anyway. <laughs> so um, what's our what's our tagline? Let's. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So that's not even the tag. The tagline is Anne Rand to Emily Bronte, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, ah, I punked you. It's Charlotte.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Emily is Withering, and Charlotte is. Uh,
1: you know, it's like it's like Dear Abby and, and Anne Landers. How can you keep them straight? Who knows.
2: No, Judy one. Landers is the hot one, and Audrey should be hot, but there's something about it that's not Judy-esque. All right, but but why is like where's Branwin in all this? What did he write that was
1: awesome? Branwin, I don't even know who. There's a Branwyn Bronte. Is that is that their brother? Yeah, that's the brother. Isn't he? He got named Branwin. I know. Oh man, he must have got beat up something fierce as a kid. Or like, uh, he was
2: the awesomest one, and he's the most obscure. Like he, like he's the one guy in the family, and he's not the, he's the worst writer, or what? Or is he a poet? We're idiots. We shouldn't have a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, we'll turn this over to Dingus in a minute because he's the one. Wait, who, right, okay, yeah, who pays the catchphrase? Because he's the right, one who right, right. Paid attention in high school English, so Dingus can explain all of this stuff to us. Kelly Wand, you and I were out back smoking behind the gym with the cool kids, while Dingus was actually reading the books he was supposed to read. So he can keep us up. He'll explain all this in just a little bit. So start us off, Kelly Wand, with a nice succinct uh, Jane Eyre tagline. Go.
2: Because she's plain of feature, that's where we get the f- the phrase Jane Eyre. Ah, very good Ah, puns are awesome <laughs> But by the way, I stole your copy of Jane Eyre And I read it, like, because of a girl
1: basically. Oh good, so you can also Well, I was in a production of Jane Eyre So between my me being in a play You reading the book And Dingus paying attention to high school English We are going to have all bases covered on this podcast But before we get into that Dingus, why don't you break down Before we get too spoilery What's this whole Jane Eyre movie thing What, what, what did we see this week, Dingus?
0: Uh, I thought this week we saw The Fountainhead. Oh, no? you wish. <laughs> right. why, is, this thinks, why is The Fountainhead called The
1: Fountainhead? I don't get it. Yeah.
0: What's uh, the head part? It's so slippery from all of Atlas's sweat. <laughs> so
2: he has a sweat geyser.
0: Right. Or
2: some Sweizer. kind of geyser. Atlas. Oh, never mind.
0: This week we saw Can't Jane Eyre. 2011 British romantic drama movie. About a young girl who becomes a governess and does really well until she falls for her employer. Uh, The film was directed by Carrie Fukunaga and was written by Moira Buffini based on Charlotte Bronte's novel. It stars Mia Wasikowska, Michael Fassbender, and Jamie Bell and is rated PG-13 for some thematic elements, Mm. including a nude image and (laughs) brief violent content. (laughs) <laughs> there is a nude
1: image. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. All right. That's right. So if you're t- if you're thinking of taking your kids to see Jane Eyre, just be forewarned. Nude imagery ahead. Right. Good point, mm. Dingus. <laughs> uh, now, Kelly Wand, let's get uh, if you have not seen Jane Eyre and if you didn't pay attention in high school and if you're planning on going to the movie or reading the novel, you might want to be o- o- aware that spoilers are about to come up. Kelly Wand, give us a detailed synopsis of what happens in this movie sir.
2: That's the first time you've used the word detailed.
1: To You don't have to. Actually, you know what? If you want to gloss over bits, you're more than welcome to. Uh, whatever works for you. They shouldn't make kids read
2: books in high school, because that's when I thought things I didn't like having to be made to read things. But then when I'd read stuff later, it, was seem, it seemed good.
1: Kelly Wand, in high school, did you spend a lot of time on the pedestal
0: of infamy?
2: <laughs> only on Ditch Day. I, that's the only day I went. I'm a rebel. I'm coming today. Fuck you.
0: Did, did, did Kelly want to get his training in high school? <laughs> <laughs>
1: fit, well, I can see where get that. Uh, hmm.
0: Dingus, Behind I think you're,
1: the, you're, you're one of the rare instances of crossing the streams of Thor and Jane Eyre. Well done, <laughs> Dingus. That was...
2: Did I cross the streams, coach? <laughs> okay.
1: So give us a synopsis, Kelly Wand. Break this down for us. I, I've actually been looking forward to this. I can't wait.
2: Well, you were wrong too. But <laughs> after last week's woolly nightmare, I'm, I'm trying to kind of just get these over with more, but with passion. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so yeah, there's this brony sister named Jane, and her uh, parents die because their stagecoach fell out of a gothic castle from the window that it had the light on, and it fell on Fabio, and uh, <laughs> so she goes to live with their aunt. See, I prefer, I like it when dingus. Don't the respectful silence is scary to me. So Face she goes fear. to live. It's your mind. fear,
1: Kelly Wand. Yeah, I know, fear, I know. Fears well, I, the, Kelly Wand, fear is the mind killer.
2: <laughs> Thank you, uh, Reverend Mother Bain Jesser, at Gamjabar. Whatever. Okay. So, so, she goes to live with her aunt and her wicked stepsisters, cousins, and they lock her in the closet and they make her drink lie and make fun of her because her last name's the same thing people breathe. Ha ha. But she tricks them by going to work as a drudge at a girl's school. I mean, a droog at a girl's school for Dickensian orphan ladies where they teach the students how to contract typhus and be miserable so that the books they someday write will be awesomer. They don't teach that in school now. That's why everyone's so dumb. Um, And she gets a job as a governess for a French girl like Vin Diesel in The Pacifier, the American version of this tale. And she teaches the French girl French. And then one night, she's farting in the woods, and it makes a horse (laughs) slip. And an old man falls off It named Rochester, who's rich from being uh, Jack Benny's uh, black butler bus driver. And she falls in love with him, but he's kind of worried about the age difference. And she's all, no, if it's double the age minus seven years, it's cool. If you're the dude. And he's like, okay, okay, cool. Then nothing stands between us. Not one thing whatsoever. No secrets. I'm a plain rich nobleman in a gothic novel with no secrets. Movie. Oh, and also I got to marry this chick Blanche. forgot to mention. She's all, now I love you even more. So she polishes his doorknobs for a few months. And then he tells her he wants to marry her after all. And she's all, yes. But then one night a crazy old woman tears up her wedding veil and capers at her. And he goes, "Oh yeah, her, right? Uh, okay, so there's this insane cannibal woman I got tricked into marrying in Jamaica, and this crazy tavern wager. But trust me, there's nothing between us. It's purely physical. Plus, you'll hardly notice her. She just lives behind our bedroom wall, and except for the cream, the screams, and the creams, <laughs> and the clawing fingernails scraping all night, you'll barely notice her. I trust me. It's like having a dog." And Jane's all, wait, so Blanche was cool with this? And he's all, uh, I might have made up Blanche, actually, just to keep you kind of hooked. And she's all, I love you even more. But I can't marry you now because happiness goes against my principles. So she runs away to starve to death in the woods. But a family saves her and hires her to be a governess for their French daughter. It's actually the same one. Um, But one night she gets a telepathic message from Rochester telling her there's been a fire... And phones don't exist yet, and the ESP line's busy at the fire department. So she goes back, and he's blind now, and missing a hand, but only in the novel. And he's all, without my hand, I missed you even more, if you know what I mean. Are you hotter now? I can't see you either. And she's all, wait, what happened to the, what's-her-face behind the... (laughs) And he's all, oh, she died in the fire. But it was an accident. So we're fine. At least it was an accident that I was smoking in bed, and I keep all my powder kegs and tobacco in the same room I kept ca- the cannibal wife in, just because, you know, whatever. And she saw, what am I going to do with you? And then a telegram comes by ESP and tells Jane that she's rich now because the King of England died and left her eight million crowns, which they can melt down into doubloons and sell to this coin collector in Detroit, and they love happily for a little bit ever after.
1: The end... All right, Kelly Wand. It's good.
2: See, the novel and the movie are mixed up in my head, because one's a book and one's a movie.
1: Ah, I see how that would work.
2: Because, <laughs> you know, like you're talking about comic books, and the Jane Eyre comic books also in my
1: head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, let's first drag into this. Dingus, you saw
0: this first, so you go first. What do you think of that? Uh, I think what did I leave fair. out? So do I have to give another synopsis then? Is that what happens?
1: Tell us what you thought of uh, Carrie Fukunaga's Jane Eyre. <laughs> um,
0: um, for a while I thought, why? Why did you do this? Uh, why is this necessary? Um, because there's a number of uh, film adaptations of this book. Um, and after his first... I don't think it's his first movie, but his first movie that I saw of his, certainly the first movie that brought him attention, Sin Nombre, Um, I was really quite taken with what he was doing. and I was really excited to see what he did next. And when this came up, I just kind of, really? And then through a good part of the opening of this movie, I was thinking this is very pretty and very competent, but I was still going, really? Um, And then at a certain (laughs) point, it clicked for me. Interesting. So, clicked for you. So, Kelly, Kelly Wand, it sounds
1: to me like Dingus liked it.
2: Yeah, but he said pretty, like it wasn't clicking him for him then, or that's what made it click for him.
1: Pretty I is don't... something you tell someone like to be condescending, isn't it? Like, oh, don't worry, you're pretty. Like, Dingus would say that to the movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I would say it had yeah. a good personality. <laughs> mm. All
1: right, so for Dingus, it clicked. Kelly Wand, now you I've, go. I wasn't
0: allowed to predict.
2: Pardon? or have, have I predicted uh Oh, I didn't just... I didn't know
1: we were going to do that this week. Uh we could do that. So, will Dingus Now already...
2: that Dingus is gone, will that take the suspense out
1: of half of that? <laughs> or, or neither of them. Well, it sounds like it clicked for Dingus. Uh Kellywan, did it click for you? Yeah.
2: I like the I like that stuff.
1: Man, you guys, I... whatever. <laughs> what? Uh-oh. <laughs> I just really was disappointed. I mean, I'm I'm like Dingus is in that, you know, Carrie Fukunaga is a, a a young, very precocious director. Sin Nombre had a lot of really bold stuff in it. And I I was really disappointed that pretty much all I got was this straight up BBC style sort of faithful to the book approach, you know. I, it the, uh, boo, source material well, well, Jane Eyre was, was a very, and Dingus will understand this, it was a very, what is it, Sebastian, movie for, for me, you know, and, and I, I wanted something more stylized, or with a d- different focus, you know, this was just, like, so faithful to the source material, like so many other adaptations, and, and just, you know, like, like deathbeds, and, and letters of sudden inheritance, and interrupted weddings, and like, all of that stuff is just, yeah, whatever. Uh <laughs> I, I was just so I, I, I don't know. This is like something I'd stay home and watch on TV and get bored of. So I would have to watch it in several different like twenty-minute installments, and I would give up halfway through and not finish it anyway. That was kind of my feeling here, and I feel bad because there were a few well, times. What did you think where, it was going to be? Well, I thought it was going to be something that where I could see some of the same touches that he brought to Sin Nombre. I. I I thought it it would be something that would feel like it wouldn't have been on TV, or it would have more sort of style to it. Kerry Fukunaga's background as as a cinematographer. I, I think that's how he did a lot of work before Sin Nombre, and there are certainly parts that that were pretty. Um, I, well, you know, there's a couple. But it was ways, also oh, go on. Well, there there are a couple ways you could approach Jane Eyre. I mean, Jane Eyre is a cool story, and it has some really nifty elements that I don't know that you get in a lot of. I guess you do get it in a lot of Victorian literature. I don't really know that stuff, but there are a couple of cool thematic elements that I think you could stress or maybe hit to focus differently and with a cast this strong, uh, I, I just think there are some better things he could have done. So I'll bring some of those up in a minute, but th- that's just sort of that that's just sort of my my level of disappointment is you know what i I could have seen this on on TV it felt like and I thought I was signing up for the the the, the sophomore effort of a young precocious stylized director, and I didn't feel like I got
2: uh, that. But I, everyone looked the way I thought they would, and there was a certain wretched quality to the landscapes and the way people live, and I'm kind of a sucker for that stuff. Okay. But I was bummed he didn't lose a hand. I thought that was cheap. And I read some interview with him where he said, yeah, I felt he needed his hands because they, they communicate at the end through the hand, and I'm like, well, just use the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't know. I, I hadn't seen any other film adaptations of Jane Eyre, so
1: you know what? I haven't either. Come to think of it, I, I don't think I have. Yeah.
2: Maybe these things need to be in black and white for me to like them. Because Wuthering Heights you is, did kind of like is it. pretty cool, didn't you say? No, you no, them? I know. Okay. Yeah, but I'm saying since I hadn't seen one of those before, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh yeah, Jane Eyre. Like I was kind of like an old. It was like an old friend.
1: Like oh yeah, this story, right? So Dingus, but are it, you familiar with with other
0: uh, adaptations of Jane Eyre? I'm barely familiar with I think Zeffirelli did one, didn't he? Um that had William Heard in it. And I have Wait some, a minute,
1: really? That sounds uh, cool. Who was the
0: who was Jane Eyre? Anyone famous? Yeah. Uh Charlotte Sin Slaminen
2: Charlotte <laughs> Bronte.
0: <laughs> Charlotte Bronte. Uh I don't remember who, who Jane was. It it didn't make that big an impression on me and I don't really remember that much about it. I just remember that he did one or it's somebody like Zeffirelli, if it's not him. I apologize, um, but I don't remember any others. But what you're saying about it sort of turning out to be a standard BBC—I could sit at home and watch this on PBS kind of thing—is one of the the major things that disappointed me about it early on. There was this there was this overhead picture shot of it, like a carriage, like a crane shot of a carriage pulling up to the castle or something, or to the house, and I just thought that's pretty and all and kind of murky, but. There's there's a dozen directors that could have done that just as competently, and why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Gina, don't, you, you, <laughs> I, I don't agree with me, okay? You're, <laughs> I disagree with you that that's what happened.
1: You know <laughs> what else? T- the William Hurt
2: one he's talking about, it was uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Oh, sure, yeah. And she was too hot for Jane Eyre, and I think that's something else that suckered me into liking this movie. Was Jane wasn't that hot? Like, and the whole idea is she's plain, and mm-hmm. he likes her for her inner beauty, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't like these—I don't like these movies where all the girls are all too hot. like Kira Knightley hot. I know you don't think she's hot, but <laughs> well, Jane Eyre I- didn't do that. It was unusual in that respect.
0: So.
1: And that, I think, was part of my disappointment as well, in that I am, I think I am this podcast's biggest Mia Wasikowska fan. And I will, Dingus, I will arm wrestle you for that privilege. Uh, I She's a fantastic actress, and, you know, she was fine in this, and they certainly made her look plain, and yeah. she was appropriately repressed. And uh, I love Michael Fassbender as well, and he was appropriately Rochester-esque, but I... I I guess I would, you know what, when you put these fantastic actors in these repressed English performances, it's, you get payoff moments. And the proposal in this movie was a great scene, and I felt like that was the payoff moment. You you know, you see them being repressed, and you see their appropriately Victorian flirting, and it leads up to this great sort of dam burst where they confess their feelings to each other in the proposal scene, and... That's where you get these great actors doing this good payoff stuff, and that was fantastic. But then I had to sit through another what forty minutes of they go back to being repressed for a while, just as a dramatic structure. I just felt that very unfulfilling uh, in a way. Um, but that's how it was back then. Sure, sure,
2: yeah. But you like it when uh, you like it. In Remains of the day. They don't. They don't. They they have a moment like that, and then they go back to being. That's a good point. All, yeah. I mean, all uptight. I,
1: I think though remains of the day. Well, you know what? That's a very good point, and I don't know what 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 would the difference be between remains of the day and this. I think I think remains of the day is just much better focused on the two characters' emotional journeys, Jane mm-hmm. Eyre necessarily. And you'll notice if you know the the book. Actually, I'm assuming because i I've, I've actually never read the book. I know. One one stage adaptation of it, but I'm assuming they shuffled around the narrative of the book. Like the book doesn't open with her wandering out into the highlands before she's with St. John, right? It's just a strictly linear narrative.
2: Yes, because it's her talking.
1: And in this movie, and Dingus, I'll be curious what you think. In this movie, they have to start with this little hook. Like where she she's wandering out, and you don't know why, and she's like a refugee. And at that point, I was thinking, hey, yeah, this is like what he did in Sin Nombre. You know, aimless people trying to get somewhere else, trying to escape, you know, refugees. And he was doing this kind of angle with the beginning of Jane Eyre. But it turns out that short of everything other than the, you know, one year earlier title card, he was kind of doing the same thing that we've complained about, and that specifically Dingus has complained about in the past where it seemed like he wanted to open with a kind of a mysterious hook and then back up and tell the story from from the beginning. Uh, Dingus, did that bother you at all, or were you okay with that? Or did you
0: even notice it? Um, I didn't notice it until I started to put it together. It was fairly late. Um, in the transition from – we jump from her just getting the job as the schoolmistress back to – her graduating from not graduating but leaving her school to go to the job as a governess, mm-hmm. uh, and all the all the girls are saying goodbye to her. And I think I looked down to write a note and looked back up or something, because I I didn't know where I was, and it took me a while to realize how the timeline was being shuffled. And I actually really liked that. Uh, maybe it's I don't know if it's just the absence of the title card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that says 18 hours earlier, or the fact that it's through the whole movie that it's doing that, or, or it does it in more of a prolonged way. Right. And my objection in movies like Battle LA or Skyline is that it's just a gimmick one time at the beginning. We're never going to do that again, and that's the only time we're going to mess with it just to mess with you as an audience. So I, I kind of liked that he was messing with the timeline. I don't know that it's strictly necessary, but uh, but it still kind of worked for me. Right, right. Especially uh, since the first person you get to see is, is Mia, uh, that makes a difference.
1: So I noticed I will effort.
0: I will thumb wrestle you for her.
1: I noticed you. You seem to think you're on a first name basis with her. Huh, how presumptuous! She told mm-hmm. me to say that.
2: <laughs> thumb wrestling was his second uh, choice of wrestling. <laughs> Wait.
1: Uh,
2: what do you guys think of telepathy as a as a Deus Ex Machina for classic literature?
1: who is telepathic here
2: Rochester he sends a telepathic message that there's been a
0: fire so she goes back he does? no what are you talking about? She hears voices at the end when she's... Oh, when she's, oh, uh, I, I thought... Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: I, I just thought that was almost like drawing a parallel between... Like women going crazy for the love of a man or something.
2: No. <laughs> it's a message because he sends... Um, there was a fire on uh, my address is something, something. Oh, I don't know. I remember in the book it was like that. And I remember thinking...
1: Like his voice uh, carrying on the wind. Okay, no, fair enough. But yeah. she
2: knows exactly, she knows something's happened, and she goes back because of that. Like, she goes back at that time after years of of not seeing him because of a telepathic message. Which, to well,
1: me... Isn't yeah. it, in, from what I remember, and having uh, played the role of St. John, I'll in say... In the game, I, in the video game. First-hand knowledge. But what I remember is she's freaking out because this this missionary dude is, is pressing on her a, a sort of an enforced marriage, like, "Hey, that I'm going too. to India in six weeks. Sorry, you got to marry me." <laughs> uh, so, doesn't doesn't she freak out and have to run away from that? Uh, both, but okay. I, you know, I, I don't know.
2: In the book, it bothered me a little bit because it's like the, the thing about Victorian novels that are—it's kind of awesome. You forget is like it takes forever to get. People anywhere, and so when they take a trip, they have to go by horse. And there's like a chapter where they go, "Oh God, I gotta get there before she married <laughs> the thing or something." Like it's like, but it's it's like I read those five Dickens's last year, and it was like every one of them had at least one sequence like they're like, "Oh, it's snowing. I don't have the horse money, so I gotta walk in the snow."
1: Well, that must make that then makes the timing of. The crazy bride's brother, all the more fortuitous at the wedding, right? Yeah, (laughs)
2: exactly. And there's yeah, and and so right, and so there's all these coincidences in Victorian novels too. So it's like the classic literature filled with coincidences and telepathy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: well, 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 Dingus, as a Mia Wasikowska apologist, what did you think of her? Let's
0: talk actors a little bit. um, I I quite liked her, and in fact, you know. I think that the main thing, you know, I didn't really talk about this in, to be specific, but where the film really does click for me is is in that first real scene, not the not the forest uh, bird scare scene, but the first real scene in the drawing room next to the fire, wherever whatever room that is, between um between Rochester and Jane Eyre mm-hmm. when they're first trading yep, not really trading quips yet, but they're starting to. And um and it was at that moment where I went, oh, okay, this is the movie. Okay, all right. Um, and what's weird is that a lot of those, there's two scenes like that. And a lot of those shots are are single shots of, of Mia Vazakowska and Michael Fassbender. So you're not seeing the two of them in frame interacting necessarily like you would in a play. And yet for me, I felt this tremendous chemistry. And I don't know if that's just in the editing or what. And I really loved what she was doing and you know what both of them were doing um I, I just thought that they worked so well off of each other and when they were in those scenes together that's when sparks started to fly for me and i started to feel like okay you know this is this is what you're going for uh and and now you've got me i mean that that scene is what really got me far before the, before the scene the payoff scene you're talking about tom or you right. talked about a minute ago uh with the proposal and and all of that um so I, I thought she was quite good, and uh, I know that they, they, you've talked about this in the past, Tom, where where actors talk about how homely they are or tired they are, and we're supposed to buy that when they're not <laughs> when they're not homely or tired at all. Um, but I thought they they uglied them down enough uh, so that we it still is. you know we'll still go to see them, and they weren't you know Brad Pitt and Charlotte, what's her name. Gainsburg. 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 Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, it definitely helps when they show uh, St. John's two sisters. You know, it's sort of like, man, everybody back then was kind of homely. All these, yeah. all these people out in the. Where does this even to? Is this the mid? So I don't know my UK very well. Uh, were they were? Was Jane Eyre at all? And I actually loved this detail. There were times where she would talk. And Mia Wazakowska, of course, is Australian, and she's so amazing. You would never know that. If I were to ever actually hear her talk in an Australian accent, it's going to be very disarming. I'm not going to know what to think of it. Uh, but So she speaks as if she's English, but there are times in the movie where – and you can tell that's, that's how she was trained. But there are times in the movie some kind of a lilt or a brogue comes in, and I didn't know if that was a Midlands thing or if maybe the idea is that she's Irish or Scottish. Do you Do you guys know?
2: Uh… Is well, it also, a it, I'm I'm a dumbass, probably dumber than you about this stuff. But my theory is you can pass anything off like that and go, "Oh, that's how the Cockneys talked in the 19th century." So it's like it's like their 19th century accent.
0: Well, um, right. Dings, I would ahead. be surprised if that weren't wasn't specific. I mean, she's pretty careful, I and mean, I think right. that they were careful about where they were in In the setting, I read that somewhere a while ago that he didn't want a certain place because the trees looked too twisted and gnarled. He wanted this big <laughs> sweeping, open plain kind of look, you know, of her and her heavy cloak, out on the windswept plains. Um, so it's specific to that area. I just don't know what area it is, and I would be surprised if she wasn't being specific with her accent. and I really like that. Like there were times where you could mm-hmm. tell that
1: some of her background was burbling up rather than how she was trained to talk. Uh, and and there was even a time at the end, I thought, with Judy Dench in the burned-out uh, Thornfield Hall where you could hear a little of that in Judy Dench's voice. And you're like, oh, you know, Judy Dench obviously understands her. Like, like I, I loved little subtle bits like that. Um, and, I you know, I, the... At one point, I noticed, oh, Judy Dench is wearing a—you know, when she's explaining to Mia Wasikowska, you know, beware of men, hold them at a distance until you're married. At that point, I noticed, oh, Judy Dench is wearing a wedding ring. You know, she's mm-hmm. obviously speaking from experience at this point. Right. And so when, when Mia Wasikowska comes to the burned-out Thornfield Hall, and I heard a little bit of that in Judy Dench's voice, I really liked that as well, like little touches like that. and And I just thought— you know, the actors were, were so good, I think, at being just very specific, like in the exchanges you're talking about, Dingus. You know, when I when I use the term Victorian flirting, I mean, that's kind of what I imagine it's like, ah. that, you know, that's kind of how you flirted back then. Uh, so so they, they were just, yeah, and, and, and you're right, Dingus, I mean, they're just such tremendous actors that I, I feel bad being disappointed in the movie when I think they were doing as well as they could with that material i just was disappointed that they didn't do more with it i guess like here's another thing sally hawkins that's all you're gonna do with her oh yeah. i was so bummed at that uh, who was she she was mrs reed the abusive aunt oh, oh, yeah. well, she's not in the
2: story much I oh know. but that's a great scene though no. i don't know it says a lot about jane like all right
1: yeah that's true that's true that's a good point um uh, but anyway, so, yeah, where, where I went from all that is the, the, the look of St. John's sisters. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they made we- Mia Wasikowska look pretty darn gorgeous in comparison.
2: Uh. <laughs> and they did, did in either? the book, too. It, see, that's the thing. I'm, I was responding to fa- to rigor to a source material, which is something you already... That makes your eyes glaze over when I say stuff like that, and you didn't even read the book because I stole it from you. <laughs> Uh, You know, but I love that time period. I'm just fascinated by how repressed people were and how they had to go through, you know, just, it must have been a very hard, like, this was so romantic to them at the time. Like, this was all they had.
1: Well, it also made me realize just how much it must have really sucked to be a chick back then. Good lord. Yeah, I know.
2: To To write a classic book, even, and not... You know, have to write yeah, it. Yeah, it's
1: funny. The, the dude that wrote this book must have really understood the plight of women.
2: Yeah, he did. That Branwen Broughton one.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not a hack he, like that. Emily. Ugh.
0: Did either of you find it um, spooky at all? So here's yeah. Where
1: Dingus, yeah. So and, and here's where I was hoping that Kerry Fukunaga could could bring a different angle to it. There's two specific angles. Like if someone were, if I were a precocious young movie director and I had just done something like cool, like Sin Nombre, and someone had come to me and said, "Hey, we've got this great cast. It's a it's a classic. You know, we don't want you to do. What what are you going to do with this?" I think there are two angles that I would love to see taken with, with Jane Eyre that aren't just rote adaptations of, of the, the material. Uh, and this is maybe kind of what I was, was hoping for. And the first is stressing that whole ghost story aspect. You know, being in this creepy house with this this woman – you know, stalking around. Like, there, there's scary stuff in there. And I thought early on, you know, there's a smoke monster early on in, yeah. uh, in, in <laughs> Jane Eyre, which is awesome. The, yeah. And as a matter of fact, some of the early sound, when her brother smacks her in the head, and sure. when she then gets locked in the room and the smoke monster appears, there was some really cool, like, audio stuff going on. And so when we get to the house, I was thinking, yeah, you can do some really cool ghost story stuff. You know, stress that angle. Hmm. Play with it. Uh, and they even I loved the visuals where Jane and Adele are are looking at a picture of a wolf in a book through a magnifying glass, and there are mentions of there Jane mentions something about the spirit of the North, and Adele talks about you know the the woman with ebony hair who sucks your blood uh and there's even the little bits where they're teasing Jane Eyre about all the I assumed it was Irish folklore i don 't know what that was um but there are all these hints at this mysterious you know, a uh, secret. There's something about it. Wasn't there something about an invisible world? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the girl who dies in the, the orphanage talks to her about an invisible mm. world. So these mm. things were touched on. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I presume they're in it's the all... material, but I would have liked to have seen, you know, Carrie Fukunaga do a, a cool movie about that angle. Um, and, and, but it's not yet, a... at times. I thought it was creepy, but it just didn't seem to do much with it. I don't know. So go ahead, Kelly. Wanda, I'm sorry.
2: Well, I was going to say, that it's like, there's ghosts in Weathering Heights, so it plays on that, <laughs> I guess just to me, because I'd read Weathering Heights first, so it's like, oh, there's a ghost, or there's a monster, or something, or it's her imagination, or it rep- it's the wolf's mouth from Hannah, mm-hmm. like, maybe it's all a, a thing you're eating into, so it's like, it's one of those things where the payoff is not as cool, maybe, as the setup, but that's in the book, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well the the other angle, and I think this is where the payoff is, and I think this is a, a modern this would make it relevant to a modern audience, more relevant I guess is it, it seems like the subtext in all of this uh, and and something that I, I expect women would understand is this idea of, of men as having this these mysterious uh, sort of backgrounds you know, you know he even mentions his ex as as a demon uh, and it's kind of this variation on the whole this whole bs that women have put up with for, for centuries this whole like oh i'm married but my wife doesn't understand me you know that kind of thing with this guy that you really like and there's all of this baggage that he's got right, uh, right. you know that's kind of right. what rochester is supposed to be but it's yeah. it's sort of glossed over as noble and he's misunderstood and really he's saving her from a terrible fate in an insane asylum um but but yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen that explored some more, this idea that women have had to put up with this crap for centuries from men, uh, and so let's tell a story about it and explore that some.
2: In this feminist novel. it's like it's all about i mean that's kind of it's like the wife really like what you just said it's like his baggage that's her function but it's like the real victim of the story is that wife it's like he she's stuck behind the wall she's the dickensian heroine right right. (laughs) so it's like the books it's not told from her point of view like i lived in a wall for 40 years and then he brings in some trollop from some school
1: well, do you guys remember a movie we saw? I guess within the last year that has a similar angle. This whole sort of subtext about what women have to put up with, as far as their their hopes and their aspirations, and the the mystery of a man's, like his his background, trying to figure out what's Fish going tank. on with the dude. No,
0: Winter's it's, Bone. It's,
1: a, it's in a very unlikely movie. It's in Night and Day. You know, Night and Day is kind of oh, like God. it's kind of like <laughs> a chick movie. It's kind of like right a chick back, guys. movie. Okay. Yeah. It's like no, a chick serious. movie. Right okay, that's fine. It's like a chick movie about, uh, you know, meeting this great guy and then having to figure out what's going on with his background. Uh, and that, to me, is, I think, a modern relevance in a way for, for, for Jane Eyre. Um,
2: I love you for making that. Anytime you can connect Night and Day to any Victorian novel, uh, <laughs> I'll give you a kiss on the lips.
1: I'm sorry, Kelly Wand. I was married in Kingston many years, fifteen years ago. It was just for so, the money. Oh, and, that's uh, that brogue accent. <laughs> that's why I talk that way and play reggae. Uh, why did you read the book, Kelly Wand? Okay, <laughs> I have to know the answer good. to this, and I probably shouldn't ask you this. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, it was i was a girl. Uh, she okay. I'll just say two things.
2: Like for, after I read it, that I talked to her about, like so, points. I made, like it. It's two things that bothered me about the book, and I was besides the telepathy. And I go, why didn't he just divorce her? Like, why didn't you just divorce the wife or say, look, like he and he's a rich dude, Rochester. So can you just go, OK, look, I know divorce is generally for an upon or as <laughs> Like, if I just put her up somewhere. Can we work this? Like, there's got to be some legal thing where he can buy his way out of it. And he's, she's all, no, no, that's not how it was done back then. No. And then Sorry the other that. thing I said was like liked it, but I was kind of disappointed by Rochester because he never shoots anybody or stabs anybody. And he's supposed to be kind of a badass, but he's not as badass as Heathcliff kind of was in Wuthering Heights. And she goes, no, he becomes truly great once he's totally incapacitated and dependent on her. <laughs> and I, That's the female I, fantasy for you. I know. And I go, oh, God, let's make out. <laughs> That's I love you saying that <laughs> the end.
1: Uh, Kelly, one, did you have any trouble with Michael Fassbender's puffy sleeved shirt? Like, could you take that seriously? Uh,
2: yeah. Okay. Well, you didn't like that? You don't like that look.
1: I could, I could buy the Tom Bombadil hat. It was the sleeves on the shirt that just blew it for me. I just, that 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 was, that was where I drew the line. I'm like, you You know, know I was like, you know, Fassbender, you're rocking the Tom Bombadil hat, that sort of thing. But I no, the shirt, lose it. Cut, cut the shirt.
2: So he's ruined uh the hyper masculine image that uh Tom Bombadil put in your head. <laughs> so Paul Did Walker in a uh, Barry Lyndon shirt sure would would ruin it for you? Like you'd mm-hmm. have to take raincoat off in the theater for that?
1: I don't know. Paul Walker might be able to 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 get away with a puffy sleeve shirt. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see in Fast Five. Well, puffy sleeve shirts in that? Uh I think he wears shirts in it. <laughs> Uh, Dingus, I want to preempt something I know you're going to say. Ready? Yeah. The young Jane was so good. That little actress they had playing young Mia Wasikowska was awesome. Were <laughs> you not going to point that out at some point?
0: Uh, I was not. I was going to ask you how you felt about Daniel Day-Lewis showing up to play Michael Fassbender at the end. <laughs> what? You just don't like Michael Fassbender in a beard? You lost track of
1: who he was. You well, guys <laughs> like, are I fucking thought... weird. <laughs> Man, his
2: sleeves, his beard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't
0: those tell kids me. kids were tell really me. good in, yeah, that, they, in they that, that really close scene in the bed where, where the little girl's dying. I thought that was great.
1: Yeah. And well, see, that's another thing, too, is that I'm like, wow, yeah, Carrie Fukunaga hits that. Like, it gets the whole idea of the oppressiveness of this little orphanage. Uh, huh. That That's like something you wouldn't I, – actually, I don't know. Can the BBC show stuff like that? Like that stark image of the little girl dead, her eyes like – Looking at Jane Eyre sleeping, I don't know. Can you do that on BBC? I
2: don't know who you're asking. The, the, the our resident BBC expert, Dingus.
1: Just the audience, tw- uh, tweet us. Let us know if you can do that. <laughs> hey,
2: audience, the and then we're going to wait for the answer in silence, like Tom just did, till you tell us.
1: Fact, so, can you have a yeah. child corpse <laughs> yeah, on the morning. BBC? So I it. Believe- to- I-
2: okay.
1: Go ahead, Dick Kelly. I
2: was just say Tom has not made a good case in my opinion for not liking the movie.
1: You know no, okay, you know what? Let me be fair. I liked it fine. Yeah, but it yeah. was it, it was a vegetable movie. You know, it's like eating your lima beans. You you do it uh-huh. out of a sense of obligation, not because it tastes good. It was fine. I liked it. Yeah, whatever. I just I I was I I just, you know,
2: What to you is like the greatest um like gothic novel movie adaptation? Like what would you compare this to unfavorably?
1: Hmm. How about, uh, Gothic? So let's see, uh, Batman Begins. (laughs) I think you're, you're referring to Batman Forever. (laughs) The one with Michelle Pfeiffer as the Catwoman.
2: Oh, that's, uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you mentioned Remains of the Day, Kelly Wand, and I just, Remains of the Day is just such a, uh, it's just so focused on the relationship and, you know, the the stuff that happens in the rest of the world, like, it doesn't have this kind of melodramatic baggage sure. that, that sure. Jane Eyre as a novel has and that Carrie Fukunaga did not want to trim away. And that's fine, but it just feels a little dated and irrelevant to me. And I just felt like it didn't give the actors I, – I just would have liked to have seen them given more stuff to do than just being – in Victorian flirting, which was adorable and cute and precious, but – I, I also,
2: I, I am I love characters who get a shitty hand in life, like, you know, Jane Eyre kind of does it, and they just, like, they just don't give up. They, like, become cooler from it. And sure. It's inspirational. Because right. today's kids, like that snooky girl,
1: never mind. I don't even know who that is. Is she the singer of Friday? Like, like <laughs> role models,
2: today I don't know like Jane Eyre should be a role model for today's youth that's all I'm saying
1: <laughs> I would invite to, if any of today's instead youth, of Kobe Bryant if any of today's youth are listening to the podcast I would invite them to go see Hannah she's a role model too I know I agree with that forget Jane Eyre don't read Jane Eyre and instead skip English class when they're teaching Jane Eyre and go see Hannah if you are like you know a 13 year old girl or whatever that's my advice to any 13 year old girls listening to the podcast so there
2: I like it a little rough when I'm kissing a girl too. So Hannah,
1: uh, <laughs> I didn't have, I I wasn't ready for you, Kelly. Wand. you should have saved that line. Thing is good because I have a couple other things. Tell to us, say. yeah. Tell us, yeah, more. yeah. I, I didn't mean it like that. Sorry.
0: <laughs> what did you say, Tom?
1: Uh, tell us some more. What else? What else did you think of Jane Eyre?
0: Yes. Well, um, one of the things I do remember from having read it, and it's been quite a few years, was how surprised i was that there was a sense of humor in the book and i don't know what the, what it is but when i read old literature i don't expect them to have a sense of humor or at least for me to get it and um i remember laughing quite a few times when reading this book and going oh wow there there are some funny things in here and i think that this doesn't get a lot of that but it gets some of it and it's you know in little pl- parts like when uh in that first scene, I was talking about when he's talking about the darkness of the woods and like he's trying to be all foreboding, and, and she says something about you know that his words aren't dark, dark enough for imps and elves and little green men, and she has a couple of moments like that where where I got to laugh a little bit, which I really liked, mm-hmm. and um and I really liked the the shift in in feeling when um the male energy entered the uh entered the picture at last at at the rochester house this there was this feeling overall in the house of the way all the women dealt with each other and how there was a sense of freedom about them and then in that that scene the morning after he gets there where he's playing the piano and then he just starts shooting his gun you can tell the women are just more more afraid except for jane who is cautious but and she's trying to figure out what what manner of man is this? But mm-hmm. the other women immediately seem toned down. And and Judy Dench in particular, her, her demeanor changes completely when just when he's in the house, anywhere in the house. And I love that, that they captured that, that feel, that, that the energy completely changes between the female and who dominates, who dominates the house when the male is there. Uh, I really like that. Dingus, what do you think the gun is a metaphor for? <laughs> I mean, I I think yes. it stands for his car. No. <laughs> and and to go back to what I said earlier, I really I really thought the spooky stuff worked. Uh, it really worked mm-hmm. for me, um, and that was something I didn't remember from the book. I didn't remember this almost, and Kelly used the word gothic, and you probably did too, Tom. I didn't remember that feel to it, uh, yeah. and I certainly didn't remember it being spooky. And I thought that they did so much with with sound and um, just tone, it, you know, especially when she's in when he tells her to to wait in the room and he goes off somewhere and she's trying to figure out what's behind that wall and there's these sounds she hears. Um, I I was sitting there thinking, was the was the story this spooky? Because yeah. all of a sudden I started thinking about the modern adaptations of some of these things like Pride and Prejudice and zombies, and I started to wonder. <laughs> is, no, they would mar- they would have marketed it clearly if they were going for something that wacky. Um, but I really got this sense of what what is going on is there is there something supernatural going on because you get you do hear not just in that moment in the planes where she's talking to the air the moment we mentioned earlier but you hear a couple of moments where where she hears a voice saying something um, and I really like that I like I like like you said Tom that moment where Adele says that. This, this, uh, this raven-haired creature is sucking their blood, and Jane calls it nonsense. And it turns out not to be nonsense or not complete nonsense. I, I love that, that feel of, of spookiness and mystery, and I think it really works here. Now, I am not going to say
1: that while I was watching, I hid my eyes because I was worried something was going <sighs> to jump out. But neither am I going to say that I didn't hide my eyes while I was watching because I was afraid to jump oh, out. Oh, that's cute. That's sweet. <laughs> there were there were a few cat scares in this. I mean, dingus, there was literally a bird scare. There was a cat scare, I guess, with a the horse. There was a there was one uh the smoke monster was a cat scare. Uh there were things jumping out at at, at me during this movie. Taps uh, into our fears of smoke. <laughs> it's like lost, did, I know. Did you shit your pants with fear at any point? I'm confident that did not happen. I can assert that I, I remained unsoiled by the time the movie was over. So
0: Okay. Well that's a fa- that's a fascinating progression in the character for me that she goes from this 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 creature who gets beat up and is scared so much she knocks herself out against the door by that smoke monster um into this creature later in the in the book or in the movie who is so practical about this blood-sucking creature and she just calls it nonsense uh, but but there's a little bit of that child in there when she's in the room and she's reaching out for the door. Why is this curtain blowing? Um, but I was it, sure he's... something was going to jump out there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I
1: but was ready. Think about was,
0: yeah. all those years in the school when she's lying next to dead girls, and I guess that sort of beat it out <laughs> of her.
2: But she's it, telling you the story, so you should know she's going to live. Well, right what? It what? Well, hey, she's the it's her
1: things. Well, it's my... Kelly Wanda, have you ever been so startled that you smacked your head into a door and knocked yourself out?
2: Uh I slammed my penis in a door, <laughs> but that was just to see something I was trying to get never mind. it was a really attractive
1: One, two, three, <laughs> wait a minute you, you gotta you gotta you, should we do that again? Is that gonna work?
2: <laughs> no it won't work then either. <laughs>
1: Think did we cut you off too soon.
0: No, absolutely. I didn't mean I could, to. I, did could we on. In- I think we're done with prattling. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no. Uh, Kelly One, you'll have to tell us at some point about why you did that with the door and your uh, your member.
2: La 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 <laughs> la
1: la la. la. <laughs> now, you are in charge of this week's three by three. What do you have for us?
2: What an honor it is to be in charge of such a wonderful responsibility. So marvelous. See, I'm a regular Obama. Wait, what was the question? Oh, yeah, my 3 by 3 um, Yeah, three. By, I, after we uh, did our whatchamacallit, our podcast last time, I was really bummed that I hadn't. You kept uh, egging me on to put more qualifiers on this category, and then I really wished I had. Because I really want to emphasize that I meant three movies set in a single location, i.e., if there's anything outside that location, any one scene, like open water at the beginning, they're like at home, and then they get to the water later. Like you can't, you can't
0: make qualifying movies now. You can't. Start yeah, so one, movies now, right? Just I uh, know, movies. I know. Tell us,
1: what just, you did for, tell us what you did for the topic, and if we need to sort of explain how we finessed it beforehand, we, we can each do that. So it, it's just three movies that take place in a single location, right? Right.
2: And I left okay. it to that, and everything goes. That's fair enough. I missed my statute of limitations. But I think if you guys have any movies that do what I just said, you've totally ruined all <laughs> <Paul. laughs>
1: All right, Dingus, you go first, because you're introducing next week's topic. So did you ruin Kelly Wan's list with your number three pick? Which will really Probably. upset me. Okay.
0: Probably. Um, although he, he'll be happy uh, that I didn't choose my first runner-up, and I chose this one instead. Um, and th- this one um, went on my list immediately when he said this topic, and I wasn't sure I was going to stay with it, because it seems pretty pat. Um <laughs> <laughs> but when I thought Was it, about it, it, it's just, Pat, it's Pat. Yes, it is Pat. Uh, I couldn't leave it off the list because it's it's my favorite. Um, this is my this is my favorite Hitchcock film, and I think it's always been my favorite Hitchcock film. And uh, and the film is Rear Window. Um, sure, sure. I acceptable. I I, acceptable. <laughs> I I'm trying to. There's a couple of moments, what I, what I really like about this movie is, is the uh, is the limitation Hitchcock sets for himself. Um, I mean, when I'm thinking of location, I'm thinking of the actual apartment, of, of Jimmy Stewart's actual apartment, although you can think of the location as being the imp- entire apartment building. Um, and I, I love how that it's all in that room, and the camera is locked in that room, and it it's his point of view for almost the entire film. And you're looking at things going on in other apartments, but it's the, the main location location of the scene is where he is. And I, I love that limitation. And it wasn't until I started to think about this list. Uh, and I started to think about this movie in particular that, uh, I really thought about how it has informed the way I feel about films Uh, containing uh, actors and containing situations and you guys have heard me complain about films that don't do that and often unfairly and i wonder if it doesn't somehow start with with this movie with how i felt about uh, how he set himself such a task to stay in this this one place and really stayed faithful to it almost entirely and how much i admire that 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 uh, that willingness to be contained like that and see what happens because it really in this movie in particular it really pays off um when um when the salesman comes bursting in and he's just there's there's nowhere the character can go and we've been trapped in there with him that whole time so uh, I, I like this topic and uh, you know, there you go now
1: dingus don't you think a a better more contemporary relevant choice would be Disturbia. suburbia in suburbia. which in which suburbia
0: Guy...
1: oh right uh, that one in which Shia LaBeouf is wearing a little ankle arrest. <laughs> like, you've been arrested. Don't leave bracelet, whatever you call those. Uh, like, don't you think that's a more relevant version of rear Window? No,
2: because he goes out. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes in Disturbia <laughs> where he's not in the uh, house. There's parking structure. Disturbia? What's,
1: what's Suburbia? Suburbia
2: movie? is a link letter movie. Oh, it takes so place it's, in a slump in a parking lot and never leaves the parking lot. So it's Disturbia. actually a better choice than Disturbia.
1: Disturbia is a stupid title. Why is it called that?
2: Because suburbia was used by Linklater, and it's fucking Sub- <laughs> Yeah, and the suburbs are so disturbing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's a mental condition.
1: So, Dingus, I have a question, since you know all about these old-timey grandpa movies. Uh, oh, doesn't, doesn't Rope take place entirely in one apartment as well? Yeah, and one shot. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not as good. <laughs> it's boring. Well, it's not I've as seen. about the location. I mean, Dingus is right about... Rear Window is all about the people that live in this area. It so. has nothing... There's no reason... The thing that Rear
2: Window is awesome for is, like... it's about. It explains why the character is going bananas, because he's stuck there. Right. It's suspense, because he doesn't know what's in the outside world. It's like there's a sense of... It's the best sense of place, which will be my next week's 3x3 choice.
1: And he's incapacitated. I mean, that's just right. huge. He's, he's like a gimped protagonist. He can only do so much. Right. I love it. He that. hates being stuck
2: there. So it's like... The Movie is like with you, like are we gonna get out of this fucking apartment, Jesus? And it's like that's what he's thinking. So he's and like the audience.
1: Who's the chicken? is Isn't there like a really Case, hot Grace chick? Kelly? Grace, Grace Kelly, yeah. Good lord, what's she from? Like she's like man, she's, she's from this. Monaco,
2: where Hannah was shot. <laughs> 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 Ooh, oh, I'm lame and uh, uh, that, Do you like? You don't like Rear Window, Tom?
1: No, I do. I do. I haven't seen it in a long time. And the other like, one. I've never, I've never seen this one, but doesn't... Is not Lifeboat? Like, is it all in the Lifeboat? Yeah, that one sucks. Does it really? Yeah. What's wrong with it? they no good characters.
2: They're all just... You don't give a shit about any of them. Jimmy <laughs> Stewart and Grace Kelly are both awesome in Rare Window, like okay. you. And he does rational things in the... The things he sees are really mundane for a long time. Like, he's, it's everything's set up really cool. It's, like, perfectly timed.
1: Well, now, you guys did not see it. I'm the one who took the bullet on this, and I expect... Profound gratitude from the both of you for this, but you did not see the remake of Let the Right One In, the stupid American one called Let Me In, where they they sort of uh, the guy, what's Matt Reeves, sort of crams down the throat of it this weird rear window angle where Oscar is in his in his room. Looking out his window using his telescope at all of his neighbors, you you know the original let the right one in. In in Sweden, had this great sense of all the people in the neighborhood. And so what Matt Reeves is like is, ooh, let's do it like a rear window thing where Oscar is looking out his window at all the other neighbors in in their houses, which uh, is reason number.
2: What's the point of that?
1: There's no point. It's reason number 142 that let me in is a horrible remake. That's so – I just
2: can't believe – because that has nothing to do with the character that Well, I the remember.
1: point of it is that Matt Reeves probably saw Rear Window in a film class or something right. at one right. point and was told that it was very good and therefore decided to. <laughs>
2: like in- the guys court. who wrote Lost saw The Sopranos and went,
1: hey, that'd be a cool ending. Uh, just not, fuck – Not familiar with either of those.
0: What are those. I don't remember Oscar seeing anybody.
1: Uh, he Well, he, Oscar does. He looks out the window when he sees uh, uh, Eli her. arriving. There's that very brief part where he sees her right. and her caretaker arriving. So Matt Reeves is like, ooh, a character looking out his window. What if this was a rear window looking out over the nearby neighbors?
2: Let's set up a character that's not the pronoun in the movie title to that extent. <laughs> Because it's guys, called Let Me In and about her, but... It's
1: I can't believe awesome. that's the bullet. Both of you guys should see Let Me In. I'm just saying that right
2: There was some stuff you said about it that sounded so lame, it made me want to see it. Like something about the oh. cop,
1: you were saying? Yep, yep. It's a cop, you know, it's a, there's a cop character uh, instead of... It's like,
2: yeah, it sounded like like a friend...
1: He's uh, investigating uh, the murders. Yeah, he's been on the trail for, for the longest time, uh, and he's finally catching up with them, yeah. And it does Dingus's favorite it does Dingus' favorite little convention, you know, the 18 hours earlier title card. Yep.
2: Uh and Skyline Convention. Yeah, mean. And Battle LA Convention. Yeah. It's a great convention. All
1: right, so rear window, very good. Uh my my number three, uh and Kelly Wan, you mentioned this before. I wanted to get into I, I was like, yes, Kelly Wan is anticipating what I'm going to talk about. When we were talking about Jane Eyre. Uh, you mentioned, Kelly Wan, this idea that back in olden days, you know, in the ancient history days of Jane Eyre or whenever, uh, I remember hearing a factoid, and I don't know if this is true. This is just something that somebody said once, and I heard it, and I was like, hey, that sounds cool. I'm going to keep repeating it as if it's true, so I'm going to announce that again. <laughs> Before the automobile was developed, ev- almost everybody, like 98% of the population, was born, lived, and died within a 25-mile radius. People didn't yeah. go anywhere. All uh, right. That's a fact. That's that's true. Uh, so <laughs> where I'm going to go with my number three, and I'm going to distill uh. this down and get tighter with locations, but it, it, this this is a movie that creates a sense of location in this historical reality where people would be born, they would live, and they would die in like a single village, a single town, and that's all that they would know. And this is a movie about a town in 1914 in another country, that for me just created this really vivid sense of, of place, of location. The the movie hints very obliquely at things that are happening around the rest of the world. And in fact, at the end of the movie, you know, a very significant moment in 1914 sort of intrudes on this town.
2: And Can I guess what it is?
1: Sure. What do you guess? The White Ribbon? Very good. Uh, My number three is White Ribbon for this fictional German town that it creates, and it's about the people in the town, some of whom have been fortunate enough to leave and come back. But for the most part, it's just this very focused perception of the world, of morality, of good and evil, of really big questions about human nature, but all in a historical location from a time before people changed locations very often. Uh, So there you go. That's my number three. Is that cheating, Kelly Wand? Is that a… Does does the fictional town in White Ribbon count as a location? Oh no, I've lost you guys. Hello. Uh oh. So I've here? lost Kelly Wand. So thing is you're still here. So I guess in that case I'm gonna say that it does count. Kelly Wand is not putting the kibosh on it.
0: He guessed and then he left.
1: <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, Kelly Wand, I'll just do your other two for you. If you're okay
0: with that, don't say anything. He hasn't done any yet. Oh, good point. So his number three is open water. <laughs> his number two is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> his number one is... Um, have to do anymore. Oh. <laughs> We've already done two of
1: yours, Kelly Wan, so it's down to your number one. What is your number one favorite sense of location? Okay, well, Zapped did leave the high school. <laughs> so now, Kelly Wan, what is your number three?
2: And Star Wars did take place in one galaxy far, far. Away. <laughs> Tom laughs indulgently. Fake laughs. Stage laughs. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, sure. Definitely. Oh, yeah.
2: Sorry to hear that. Uh, my number three, I'm not going to talk about it just because it's my boring one. It's the movie Dark Star. <laughs> Which almost doesn't count because, uh, and they're not technically in the Dark Star, but if they're amidst the wreckage, it counts.
1: Why do you not want to talk about that? Just because we already talked about Dark Star a lot, and I don't want to. <laughs> when? When, when you you bring it up, and I poo poo it, and that, that's pretty much all the that's the extent. I, I talk about how it's dated and it doesn't hold up. That's pretty much all we've talked about. Dark when have Dark. you
2: seen it last? Because I would have thought that till I saw it again recently.
1: I, I saw Dark Star like, oh, about a year it's... ago. No, I saw it about a year ago. It was, I think it was right before Dan O'Bannon died, actually. I remember thinking, oh, oh so... rats, because he was so cool in Dark Star.
2: Uh, yeah. So you jinxed his
1: death. I didn't do it. I was nowhere near it. What are you talking about? The second
2: you watch it, Mr. Voodoo, and then he's dead the next day. <laughs> it's interesting. And then you go, yeah, that movie sucked now that he's dead.
1: Well, Dark Star never leaves the spaceship. I mean, even at the ending, it's the location of the spaceship where it stays. Uh, And Dark Star is actually my number two choice for that very reason because lots of of movies have, you know, explore this idea of, hey, let's be on a spaceship. But most of them somehow violate – like they need to leave the spaceship. You know, 2001 and Alien, you know, Alien, it's like you can't just have the spaceship. The spaceship has to either go to another planet or it has to bring something on board. they have to meet another spaceship or a star child has to appear or whatever. Uh, very few movies, I, I think, have the courage to explore this idea of space as a non-place where there's nothing out there.
0: And it's just you in
1: your ship. And Dark Star, partly for for budgetary reasons, I think. But Dark Star, it's just the crew, it's the the, the AI, it's the the pet beach ball alien, and it's their mission. It's very tightly contained. And even if it's because it's a low-budget movie, uh, it's it's faithful to that idea of one particular location.
2: Well, and also, too, uh, I think in a lot of movies, they try to make the inside of the ship look kind of cool, or like, hey, they made this awesome set for the ship, even, like, in Event Horizon. Even in Alien, they tried to make the ship look like, I mean, it's an amazing set design, but it also looks like you can tell they made it. But Dark Star, you can just tell they filmed it in, like, the cheapest basements of CalArts and stuff, and, like, the thing with the elevator where he's, he's hanging from a wall, but they use it to look like he's hanging like Batman.
1: He's lying on the floor. He, he's, right, he's right, right, right. He's lying, he's lying on the floor, the right. Floor, and they put the camera on the floor with him so you can see the hallway behind him and the idea and it fails completely, I think. The idea is you're supposed to be looking down a long shaft and it's it's ridiculous. I mean he's, it's kind of cute. It's like, oh, okay, I you
2: guys uh, innovative? <laughs> and remember the the first place you see them is in the um that little cramped uh cubby hole where they actually do the flying, and they're like just jost, like crammed against each other in this like five by five cute like tiny ass little yep. cube. Yep. Uh, I love that, and I love that that's how they represent the future space. <laughs>
1: so the the other movie I would have picked, but. Spoiler.
2: Tom, you sound all garbled. I'm sorry to interrupt.
0: Yeah, you, you, you do. Can you move uh, your just, voice? Did you just start a virus scan, Tom? And uh, also, did you say that they were looking down a long shaft? The idea is that it's like a, he's supposed to be trapped on an elevator
1: shaft. Uh, and they didn't really have the wherewithal to film down a long elevator shaft, so they told, was it Dan O'Bannon chasing the alien? Yes. It was, yeah. So they tell Dan O'Bannon, okay, we're just gonna, we're we're gonna lay the camera on the floor shooting down this hallway. You lay on the floor, too, but pretend you're standing on a ledge, and the camera is overhead above you. And the funny thing is, he has long hair, so his hair is totally, like, falling backwards against the floor, because he's lying down. Uh, (laughs) And they're just trying to cheat the the idea of verticality uh it's
2: it's cute it's that's funny no i'm telling you cheap i know i
1: I agree so but so here's here's a more recent instance of that but it's not true to it it ends up it it can't quite sustain this idea of staying in only one location which is a mild spoiler but another great spaceship survival movie is sunshine uh which i would have picked if it didn't violate the rule of of the location oh good so you agreed right. with me on that point. oh no no i definitely i am I'm, uh, I'm not going to troll the lists, kelly wand i leave that to Unlike you Unlike kelly wand right <laughs> but uh, uh, why don't you think a... oh go on well there's a
2: terrible spaceship well, not terrible there's a there's a vent horizon
1: does event horizon leave the ship i don't remember
2: no but it's it's not a good movie <laughs> right well there's another one did you see did you
1: see pandorum no yeah. i want to is it good yeah uh it's interesting and it's got some cool stuff in it but it, it instead of leaving like it doesn't leave the ship but it just does ridiculous things inside the ship because it doesn't have the courage to just be a spaceship movie it also wants to be like a zombie movie and have some kind of warrior tribes or something it's just absurd uh, um, there's
2: some haunted spaceship movie i always forget the name of it's not supernova
1: but you know what i'm talking about there's like oh, a yeah, it is movie. supernova yeah with james spader yeah
2: that's a haunted spaceship movie
1: i'm pretty sure i haven't seen it in a long time uh, but I don't is think – so. I don't remember if that leaves the space. It's okay. Nah, not really. Here's a great one. Not a great one. This one's – this is an awful one, but it's ridiculous. So it's another instance where it ends up cheaping out by the end, and they go off to explore some Martian ruins, which is stupid. But there's a there's a movie with Vincent Gallo called Stranded about uh-huh. – A mission to Mars, like the first manned expedition to Mars, but they have to crash land when they get to Mars. And I think it was – it might have been a French production. It had a female director who also cast herself in it and was horrible. Um, But uh, they crash land on Mars, and it's like a survival drama. And Vincent Gallo – and this tells you what level – the caliber of this movie. Vincent Gallo is like the science officer (laughs) or whatever. Uh, And so he's calculating how much oxygen they have left. And it becomes like, okay, who's going to – if some of us volunteer to go out and just just die, the other ones will be able to live long enough to maybe hold out for a rescue mission. So I think they draw straws or something like that. And the ones that go out – end up finding ruins where, hey, there's air, we can breathe. It's really stupid. But the funny thing is, so the two that get Uh, to stay behind are Vincent Gallo and a a, a female crew member. And literally, and it's not played for laughs, by the way, literally what happens between the two of them is Vincent Gallo tries to convince her that because the oxygen is going to run out and they only have so much time left to live, that they should have sex.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've tried that line, and it only worked like half the time.
1: Is he
0: thirteen? <laughs> he might as well be. Uh,
2: they do it in Greece too. Too. There's a song to the <laughs> bomb shelter. Uh, so it does work.
1: His trick. Uh, no, no. She's she wants no part of it. No. <laughs> come on. Would that work on you, Kelly Wand, If Vincent Gallo was coming on to you, saying, "Look, we Not won't." Vincent get... Gallo, but <laughs> Paul Walker.
2: Uh, that's you. <laughs> you're thinking of. Oh wait. Uh, how come you don't think Dark Star holds up, you motherfucker?
1: Well, it's just so low budget. It's that early Carpenter. Oh, that's kind of all you see, and uh, it's and, funny and I... as fuck.
2: It's really funny. Like considering, mm-hmm. I know we've talked about this before, but like, Big Trouble in Little China is the only remotely funny thing he ever did, and it's like Dark Star is hilariously funny. I think Starman is it's funny. What is Starman?
1: There's plenty. No, of it's not. Go. No. Yeah. No means go. Red means stop. Yellow. That's okay. Yellow. Very fast, Jenny.
2: Come Dude, on. Dark Star. I don't know. I just. I can't believe you're using the phrase doesn't hold up for Dark Star. Like, that's the first thing you say when da- the words Dark Star are heard.
1: You're like, oh. Most of the acting is terrible. Most of the acting is terrible in Dark Star. It's clearly like. Amateur actors. Uh, it's the I, I. think it looks ridiculous. Uh, it's you know the the ending. I don't want to give away. You know you know what the ending is actually kind of cool. But
0: the I,
2: ending's awesome. The bomb's awesome.
0: That's the bomb is not awesome. That's what I hate. That that's why so I mean, we've st- given away the ending. Didn't we talk about this with? I'm talking about it as a character. I'm
2: not
1: necessarily saying. <sighs> I don't, I don't think it holds up, I, Dingus. I, you'll have to see Dark Star and let us know if it holds up. You you're you're in charge of uh, casting the tie-breaking vote. You're also the one who said really. Blood
2: Meridian is a minor McCarthy. So you're That's obviously our, a mate. Save. You can't be trusted on anything.
1: I want to save that for the book podcast. Oh, okay. Dingus, what is your number, two, what's your number two choice for a movie that takes place in a, second, a single location? All right, I think I'll give you guys a quote. Awesome. I got this one. You didn't give us a quote for Rear
0: Window, I noticed. That's true. I didn't. Okay. It would have been about a guy going out at night with his suitcase three times. Rear Window. And, yeah, good job. all right my number two quote is this here here it comes i think we'll be okay now uh aliens does not take place in one location yes it's all in ripley's head
1: (laughs) i think we'll be okay now kelly one do you know what he's talking about
2: uh rushmore it all takes place in rushmore so uh,
0: fargo is all
2: oh uh, Give us a hint. Give us a quote. Right, spice. Here's a
0: quote from. Here's a quote from my quote. I feel it. I feel it breathing on me.
2: Oh, oh
0: yeah. Uh, you no, know that's good. Okay, that's a good. That's good. Oh, Bratch, I didn't even think of that one. It's kind of a good point.
1: All right, Dingus, Dingus explain it to us. Yeah, you might win. I'm going to change my number one though. So <laughs> Dingus always
2: wins these lists, but I'm sick of it.
1: Not that's in one place. You know what? They go out to the they go outside at one point, don't they? Doesn't she go outside and he follows her? So no, dingus, you failed. They leave the house. You suck, dingus. <laughs> All right, explain you what us. it is,
0: dingus. All right, this is Paranormal Activity, um, and uh, what I really like about this, it, it does start in front of the house. You know, when he drives up, uh, she's or, no, when she drives up and he's he's filming her when she's first introduced to the to the camera, and the, and then they go inside and then. Um what I, what I really like about this is you know one of the things Tom made a point of uh whether he meant to or not um of the difference between rear window and disturbia is that rear window he's he cannot leave that apartment he can't physically leave his his limitation is strict he can't get out and so Grace Kelly has to do all of his dirty work for him, and the cop has to do the dirty work for him and he can't leave that whereas you know Shia LaBeouf has that silly. What is it? Shot collar on. It'll uh, <laughs> make his uh, head explode if he walks, walks outside the ground. Yeah. And he can figure out ways around that. Um, but what I like about this is that the script goes to, makes makes great pains to demand that they stay in this house, and and, and it keeps telling them, no, you can't go because if you go. The situation's not going to change because the problem is that the demon is after Katie. And if you leave the house, it'll just leave with you. If you go to a hotel, the demon will just show up. And I love that they're constrained by this when the real the real issue is the budget, of course. Um, And the house is just a great house, at least the Uh way the way the sounds of the house are and the way the house is lit, the way the whole film is shot. That single location really works well until finally the characters say, you know. Screw the script. We're we're leaving. We're going to try this. And then by then it's too late and they can't. And um, so Paranormal Activity, uh, the house. All right. Good.
2: It's, an, it's an awesome. I like your choice because it's not a conventional haunted area either. Like it's it's kind of a well like when you see it at first, you're like, really, this is where this is going to happen. Because there's nothing kind of creepy about it. It just looks like right. a normal condo. And, uh, well, that's I, I think what
1: things. makes it effective is that, right, that it makes it that. very effective.
2: Yeah, because you're like right, exactly. Like the horror can happen anywhere, and um, it's just like and that it's like that's how bored the characters are at first. Like yeah, ghosts here yeah, that would be funny. Huh, whatever. <laughs> um, and it does. That's what makes it creep up on you. So Dingus wins the list, as usual. Uh, well, Tom, but they, you know what? No, because they leave. They go outdoors. They leave the house. Yeah, they don't follow. You do, the camera doesn't.
1: Yeah, he walks outside at one point when Katie first arrives. And then later when Katie. Driveways leaves, count as the house. One night. She's on the driveway. She's on the-
0: She's on the uh, swing behind the house too, and
1: that's not that on their property. The property. That's not on, on, on their property. That yeah, yeah, is no. It's not. Oh, Stabbed her on in the movie that they um, shoot that property with one of the, the other.
2: lawyer and a serious man. explained it all before he
1: drops. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Good point. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, my number two is Dark Star. So well played, Kelly Wand. Uh, what uh, do you have? Uh, you obviously have one that's even better than Dark Star because it would be your number two. What is your number two choice for a movie that takes place in a single location?
2: My number two. See, I, I feel bad for this topic now because it's just it, a lot of them are movies we've talked about already, and um, I want to make people have to listen to the stuff we said earlier that was smart. But my number two, which is a movie we've gone over, I think, a million times with fine-tooth comb already, is, of course, Buried, mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds, um, because I would call it... The smallest single location I've ever seen a movie shot entirely in—I can't think of one offhand where it's that closed in, and where it's that much of a character. And it, it relates to, and it works as a metaphor for, on a, on a variety of levels. Like it's—I know fun.
1: one that's shot in a smaller space that takes place Is in it a your number space. One? No, I really just not thought of it. Ready? Jacob's ladder, because it's all in his head. You know what else? Source code.
2: Because it's inside his brain isn't even complete, and his brain's smaller because some of it got burned off by the bomb when uh, the fire burned Jane Eyre's house.
1: All right, so Barry is your number two.
2: So wait, uh, you sound bummed by that choice, like
0: uh oh, buried. I mean,
1: no no, is great, that's my number one. Didn't hold buried. up, too right. cheap.
0: Coffin that's was my number one. Long time no, 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 Tom. That's my number one. Stop it.
1: Did you really pick buried? I mean, I figured yeah. we all would. I mean, that's it's sort yeah, of. That's a... what I,
0: th- I thought that was going to happen.
1: Yeah. So, Kaiwan, we're down to your number one. Then,
0: what do you have? Can we talk about buried just a little? Oh, bit? oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, yeah. I, I kind of well, hate. But, yeah, I, I hate it. to tell. I mean, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, not you're spoiler. right. Actually,
1: yeah. actually, you're right. You're I've now. I mean, we by the the very fact of being on the list, especially now that we've kind of mentioned what our parameters are. Uh, actually, I don't know maybe people who see the list and don't listen to the podcast won't know any better, but, uh, uh, this is lame.
2: I'm a lame ass. This is a bad topic. I apologize
1: oh, it's a good
2: topic, uh, no. but it's just
0: uh, all right I don't topic. know how you can uh, escape picking buried right right not to use a pun. I mean, it's just perfectly it's it's so perfect for this topic,
2: and it's another of those things like we were saying last week or I was saying that Hannah. Uh, could only like works like can only work as a movie it's like an example of why movies are an amazing art form like they can only tell certain kinds of stories perfectly it's like buried works because it's a movie like the only way you can improve on it is if you if you get this thing that Michael Douglas uh, goggles from disclosure and like you're the Ryan Reynolds character and you see all from it, so. which one actually <laughs> No, nah, that'd make it lamer see movies are even better than that
1: well, solid. Kelly, what's your what's your number one
2: then? Wait, say more about buried. Ding, I Dingus said hardly nope. anything. I'm very upset. I don't like it when people no, no,
0: say things. I uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about it actually. Now that I think about it, I just like that it it doesn't cheat. And when I when I talked about uh, Rear Window and and how Rear Window might have might have informed the way I feel about certain films, um, letting us off the hook, um. And how I really respect films that uh, have a sense of containment about them and find a way to do that and still remain unbelievably cinematic, uh, which which Buried can do. And I'm just so impressed with with how, uh, how good a movie and not a play Buried is. Yeah.
2: See, even as a play, I think it would suck because <laughs> – I'm telling you, it's like, for the people to watch it as a play, you you have the stage. Unless the coffin's stage length, and you've, you've put Ryan Reynolds in the taffy machine from Willy Wonka, and he's super long, like, you're still looking at a guy on a stage in a box, so it's not even, like, as awesome as... Because in Buried, you you get the sense that you it's like you can feel the weight of the dirt over him. Kind of. Like, that's the character. Alright, I'll shut the fuck up. But, um, can you guys think of any movies before? We- What's your number one before we do? Alright, right I'll do it. Yeah, my number one is a movie neither of you have seen, and I think I've mentioned before on the podcast. But it's uh, it's one I want you guys to see and think about because it's um, it's topical and it's also uh, oh, never mind. It's it's uh, that movie they shoot horses, don't they? It's Sidney Pollock movie about the. uh, Dance marathon.
1: Oh, well, you know what? I oh, i am such a jerk. I'm such an idiot. I when Sidney Lumet just recently died.
2: You thought that I
1: was Sidney a... Pollock, and I was like, how can they never mention the great? You know, when he's in all those movies, and that was not Sidney Lumet. That was Sidney Pollock. Okay.
2: That's like the worst thing you can do to a dead person is get their life <laughs> mixed up in another <laughs> well, direction.
0: You should have to... both dead, aren't they?
2: Whoa, whoa, what? Yes, Sidney they are. Pollock? They are both dead. So neither are okay. offended so by okay. <laughs> okay. or anything. Yeah, yeah. But still, they're both cool. They're both awesome directors in different ways. But Sidney Pollack never made any other movies that really spoke to me. Like, I didn't give a shit about Out of Africa, really. It seemed very... It's no They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And They Shoot Horses, Don't They is like a movie I think people should see now. Because it's like about a Depression-era thing that... I didn't really know existed until I saw the movie and then you find out that's what people did back during the depression is they'd have these dance marathons and people wouldn't they wouldn't people would they were winning these cheap ass prizes but other people would pay to go see these people dance in the hope that one of them would die while they're dancing cuz they're like they do it for weeks on end without getting they have like 15 minutes of sleep every 12 hours or something wretched like that so it's just this kind of depressing, sadistic uh, exhibition, kind of like the Running Man of the Long Walk. Tom, a couple books.
1: Uh, so. ah, okay, good.
2: But you didn't see that. I mean, because I never saw that movie because the the title has a question mark at the end, so I always assumed it was a it was a musical comedy set in the <laughs> West, <laughs> like a like a crazy drunk Arthur, but like a cowboy version of Arthur was drinking and shot someone by accident and said, Oh, they shoot horses. and like he was he had to bust out of jail in a musical number or something.
1: So like paint your wagon. Like it's gonna be like a musical Western, right. Exactly. Right,
2: which doesn't have a question mark and as another movie I really enjoy and was also one of my runners up. <laughs> no. But I just it <laughs> stuns me that you guys haven't seen this fucking movie. It's Jane Fonda Dig Young went an Oscar for it's like this really big thing that no one's seen I guess but me no? Sorry I'm had sure the, other I people have
0: line and you
2: like oh it's people dancing Ugh. but it's like it's one of those movies where it was made in the early 70s so they kind of went to great lengths to make people look wretched with makeup and stuff like everything just looks more real it was oh like kind
1: of like in the way back <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, won the see. oscar for makeup for w- for making people look wretched well it had pretty good makeup didn't well, it Well, Dingus didn't think so i just like i like i was just poning dingus just now yeah on way back podcast
2: see, yeah i've never heard dingus so uh <laughs> traumatized by one of your jobs <laughs> <ads. laughs> All right, so that's my number one, a movie you guys can't say anything about because you haven't seen it. Cause you're not. So
1: runners-up, Kelly Wand, you did mention Open Water, but I agree with you. Like, if the movie comes to, like, there are all these claustrophobic survival dramas, but very few of them just stick with that space. Like like uh, Open Water, 127 Hours, or Frozen. Frozen's the one where the kids aren't stuck on the ski lift. Uh, like, Blair like uh, Pardon?
2: Blair Witch doesn't. You see, their, you see them leave.
1: Well, they're all moving around in Blair Witch. I mean, that's a found footage movie, so it's a little bit different. But uh, in these other survival dramas where it's set in one location, the movies show the people getting to that location. So it cheats. So I didn't Cast away. Um, there are I almost picked instead of White Ribbon because I wanted to go from a large space to a smaller space over the yeah. course of my uh, my choices. I almost picked Beyond Sunrise for my number. How's that? that? the, the one. With- it's uh, not Julia Delpy. Who's the chick? It's Ethan Hawke and... Uh... That's before Sunrise. Before Sunrise. Beyond
2: they sunrise. don't go beyond, beyond it.
1: it. Beyond That's... Sunrise is another space movie.
0: <laughs> uh, with with uh, Tina Turner in it, I think.
2: Well, I was going to make a joke about Ethan Hawke when you said that title, and then it turned out to be the real thing. You're just, you just before Sunrise. What's this title, though?
1: Is there an after Sunrise?
2: Or no? no, it's before Sunrise, and it's before Sunset. Which is weird, too, because it's like if you think before sunrise, that means it's really late. So that's the one they should be old for. But then before sunsets, the one where they're like 10 years older and like,
1: oh, hey, yeah, remember that train ride? But yes. I like both of those movies for being a single, you know, for for it's Paris, right? It's uh, yeah. It, one's it's like Vienna,
0: I one's thought. Vienna. Yeah, the first. One's ah, Vienna.
1: OK. Is the second one Paris or did I just make that up? You're right. OK. What right. about
2: same time next year with Alan Alda and what's her name where they like meet at the same hotel room
1: every year? I don't do Neil Simon. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, there's also a whole strain of, you know, those are the claustrophobic survival movies. There's a whole strain of claustrophobic horror movies. Uh, you know, Cube is, is an example. But That's what I, think, I was going to be wondering. Yeah, Ryan. Cube is a good one. Um, but, but I think a, a more recent example... And it pulled its punches, unfortunately. I actually remember seeing this at Sundance. And there was Q&A with the director, who's this kid from New Zealand named James Wan afterwards. Uh, and the movie was Saw. And I remember asking mm-hmm. him, like, did you ever think of just, because Saw does all this ridiculous, horrible stuff with Danny Glover as a cop tracking down the killer. Yeah. But Saw is a cool, like the the stuff in the room with Carrie Elway's and Lee Winnell and I think. Uh, like, like, that stuff is cool. And it's this tightly contained setting. And and James Wan just explained that for a movie, they really couldn't just keep it in the room like that, which is unfortunate because that's a brave choice. I, I guess I understand why. Then Buried proved he's an idiot. Well, there are other movies. Like, there's a there's a movie called uh, Exam, which is only maybe a year or so old. Uh, and it's about – it's really cool for how little you know about it. It it ultimately kind of falls apart. But, but the premise – and it's true to this premise, it's about 12, I think like 12 applicants for this strangely unspecified job position. They arrive in a room and they have to take an exam to see which one of them will get the position and I won't even say the setup beyond that but it's about just 12 people in a room and something weird is going on and you don't quite know who knows what or why they're there. Uh, and it's what Saw should have been, I think. Mm. Um, it's also, the, I think it might be British. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kelly Wand.
2: I think I know which one you're talking about, but I haven't seen it and I was curious. Because I, I thought, oh, it sounds like Saw, but right. I bet it's good. Like it can't be
1: worse than Saw was. Now, a terrible example of that, uh, and I just, this is a horrible movie. It's really stupid. I, I don't recommend it. But the premise is actually kind of creepy. Uh, There's a movie called Hunger, and it's not the one that Dingus and I have talked about before with Michael Fassbender as as Bobby Sands, the hunger striker in in Ireland. There's another movie called Hunger, which is about uh, six, four people. Anyway, some people wake up, and they they don't know one another, and they've been locked in a basement. It's like a dungeon with nothing but a vat of water, (laughs) and some sadistic like killer evil dude is watching them to see how long it'll be. Before they resort to cannibalism,
2: and what's the answer? Sixteen minutes.
1: Uh, it de- <laughs> <laughs> They just started diving right in. Yeah. But the idea is they're left with this vat of water, so they won't die of thirst. But you know, how long before they die of hunger?
2: Wait, uh, what's the? Give
1: it away. Oh no, no, they end I'm up. Uh, they end up eating each other. You know, there's the one woman. It actually cheats because they escape and they and you and you see the killer watching them and and whatnot. So weak. I know, uh, but they do end up, you know, it ends up being one of those cannibalism movies. And it's it's a sort of saw like horror movie where, you know, to what what lengths do you push people before they do these terrible, horrible
2: uh, payoffs movies? matter. And that's why buried rules and these other movies suck, mm-hmm. among other reasons. But yeah,
1: uh, for I think one of the best examples of these kind of claustrophobic horror movies, and this one also cheats because it's also about the observers um, is a movie called The Killing Room. Which actually has a really good cast. Uh, Timothy Hutton, a fellow that you know of, Dingus. Uh, named Shade Wiggle, who's been in some some cool movies. Uh, Days, you know, Claire Duvall, she's your buddy. Uh, right. Peter Stormare is in it. Chloe Sevigny, Sevigny I'm not sure.
2: How
1: Sevigny. It's a It's a but it's the same kind of movie where these strangers show up to take some kind of test, or they're applying for something, and there's something going on. And you don't quite know what, and terrible things happen. So as far as claustrophobic horror movies, you know, Cube is one of the great early ones. But there's a recent one called The Killing Room that I actually kind of liked, mainly for the cast. Uh, so those are kind of runners up for me.
2: Uh, I had Twelve Angry Men as a runner up. They but f- then I... Go yeah.
1: Do they do they flash back to the crime or No,
2: they, they never leave the room. It's all. But a you know what Thailand is cheating? I I maintain. I know because it's cheating, based on a
1: play. Right. It's cheating if you're adapting a stage play and yeah. deciding, most likely, rightly not to leave confined to the stage play. I think.
2: So. I agree with you. However, it's also a challenge, and if you meet the challenge well, then maybe that waves off the prerequisites. Okay. Because 12 Angry Men does... It is just about a conversation. And my dinner with Andre, they do leave the restaurant, spoiler alert. But, uh... I don't know. 12, uh, 12 Angry Men Works is just one... It's it's basically one scene, so I, I would... Uh, I, don't I don't know. If you looked me in the eye right now, I'd probably bow my head in shame. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how many of our conversations end. But... <laughs> I almost picked death trap, but then that leaves the. air. that's a play. play. Yeah, Yeah, I like it though. Therefore, (laughs) it makes a list. (laughs) But
1: what were your runners up? I want to hear
2: runners up, up. and and by the way, the listeners, Uh our listeners, always come up with awesome ones afterwards in these little in these little things, and I always love, and I always feel like a total idiot, like oh, that one would have been so much better. (laughs) Like every week, especially and last week, the villains they were mentioning. There's a lot of bat shitty villains that I totally wish had been on the list. I forgot, but okay, sorry, dingus. up.
0: Uh, I hadn't thought of this before, Tom. But you bringing up Ethan Hawke wasn't he in that movie Tape? Tape. What is Tape? It's it's. That
1: sounds three
0: funny. three people in a in a motel room, and one of them is trying to convince the other one that he raped the third one. Oh my gosh! Well, wow. Or trying to get him to confess to that. It's yeah. Maybe, maybe, who else is in that? Ethan Hawke. Um, what's her name from Kill Bill? Uma Thurman. Uma? Uma Thurman. Oh, yeah, they are yeah,
1: married. Yeah, they
0: are a couple. And who's yeah, the and, like Josh, one of the guys from.
1: Uh, uh, I think they
2: broke up.
0: No, I th- I think it's the guy who's now on House, and I can't and was in. Dead Poet Society, and I can't think of his name. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. A while.
1: No, no, you're totally right. I can't think of his name either, but, uh, yeah. And is that all? Yeah, is that that's all in the
0: room? I think it is all in that motel room, but I just thought of it when you when you mentioned Ethan Hawke, and I think, isn't that Richard Linklater, too?
2: What? Tape. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, no. tapes. So all right. Think <laughs> um, if I say it like that, w- that, I'm sure I'm right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for my one that was a play, it would have been Sleuth. Oh, I thought uh, of that, too. Yeah, but that was a play. But did they ever and leave the, the
2: room in that?
0: Well, they go out in the garden, but it's all around the estate, basically. Oh, I um, love that movie. That's a good one. That's and the good. one that I was going to use to annoy you instead of your window would have been Breakfast Club.
2: What? They leave it now. They crawl around and go outside at the end. And stuff.
0: Yeah. Boo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just were going to do that because John Hughes died.
2: Oh. Which right. character were you, Dingus? Were you Anthony Michael Hall? Dingus this
1: was, was Molly Ringwald.
2: Because he needed oh, to. He
1: Dingus oh, got a,
2: changed cheating. Dingus got a fake ID so he could vote. Gotcha. Fake that, Dingus.
1: All right. so I like the topic, Taliban. Kind of I mean, I know you kind of invented it on the fly, but uh, it worked out well, I think.
2: I look forward to the runners up that we didn't remember. Like, the listeners will go, oh, yeah. And, it'll be, and 9 out of 10 of them will be ones we just mentioned because they didn't listen to the podcast, but that's fine.
1: Or play adaptations. I predict we'll get a lot of those. <laughs> yes. Although,
2: what am I talking about? This is a Jane Eyre podcast. The quarter to three is going to explode. You, the server's going to get shut down. There's so many people, fans of Jane Eyre.
0: People love their Bronte. And uh, their choices, just point of order, Kelly One, their choices are not runners-up.
2: No, no, I know. I'm just, you know.
0: It's just, last just as valid
1: as
2: ours. Yeah, well, that's easy for you to say, Mr. Won the list last year.
1: Yeah, Mr. Paranormal Activity. Yeah,
2: Mister. Why didn't we
1: think of that? You know what, Kelly Lund? it's because it's found footage. I put that no That's not even a real movie. Tom, we're <laughs> smart. Documental. How come
2: Dingus is always uh, kicking us in the nuts when these lists come up? Yeah. Or I know, for me, anyway. I don't
1: know. Mm. Yeah, because Dingus is supposed to be the good-looking one, not the smart one. What the
2: yeah, he's is? the eye candy. He's like the... um. Who's the one who looks dumb, but then she turns? Paul Walker. To, yeah. He turns out to be dumb too. Uh, Josh Hartnett, the Chicken Superman three. Remember, like the Valerie Perrine stand-in. Like she's supposed to be dumb, but then she's reading Camus or something. So she's, but then it never pays off. She's just smart.
1: Camus never pays off.
0: I agree with you there.
2: I think it's what is
1: next week's. What is next week's three by three? What do you got for us?
0: Um, I'm not sure you guys are going to go for this, but I'm going to give it
1: a shot. Coming <laughs> off this one, I think. thing is, Dingus, we have no choice, do we? Right. Oh, that's a good point. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice. Three best Star Wars what? Three best Star Wars. Um, Cantina Aliens. Your favorite aliens from the Cantina in
0: the first Star Wars movie. Go. Close, but it's your favorite instrument from the Cantina.
1: Ah,
2: good. Three best no. droid numbers. <laughs>
0: Models. All right. On a number of occasions, you guys have brought up, and I, and I feel bad taking this off the table because I'm pretty sure it would have been Tom's number one. Um, you guys have brought up how the, the trucks in Sorcerer are like characters in the film. Uh-oh. So these are your three favorite objects in films that <laughs> also seem to be characters. Can I pick R2-D2 already? <laughs> you cannot pick R2-D2. Does
2: Christine count even though she's just a total bitch car and not really fleshed out? Basically,
0: my limiting rules are um, I would prefer things without names. Uh, So, Christine... Uh, would count, but really, I was thinking more about more along the lines of computers and robots. Like Hal is obviously a character that's embodied, or not embodied, but but it's given voice as a character. I'm looking for more along the lines of, and I really like this example, and I'm sorry to take it away from you. How those trucks in Sorcerer really seem to be another character in the film, a, a presence that is um, like another character. Does that make sense? It does, but I should point out to you, Dingus, the trucks were named. Uh, ah, yeah. good
2: point. Good point. Does, and it has to not have a name or that's just your guide? No, I'm
0: right? just taking away Christine from you to be mean.
2: Does so Hellraiser...
1: So go ahead. Hel- to- go going ahead to you
0: take it.
2: Is Hellraiser Cube a name?
1: See? Aren't, aren't you glad I let him get that in, Dingus? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Dingus, explain again. Just wh- How how are you laying this out again? Three best... What is it? Uh, uh, objects that
0: work as characters. Okay, objects that work as characters. Oh, they have to work. <laughs> for you the objects that you consider a character in the film and the example and is this, sorry go ahead you can make this as as big an object as you want actually uh i just i just pro i my protest is is uh, things like robots or things like hal right. i think that i think that's cheating
1: you're basically wanting inanimate objects that aren't that the movie doesn't somehow personify by making them talk in bleeps and bloops and giving them names. Okay, I get that. Right. So exactly. is
2: the galaxy that Star Wars takes place in a character or like the planet's individual characters?
1: It is can't there be objects? far, far away.
0: It has to be close by. Be close by. I think okay.
1: Is a Jawa an object?
0: <laughs>
1: because they don't have dicks. <laughs> Tom's checked. I he's
2: Stick one to the vet. Long story. <laughs> <laughs> all right good
1: uh yeah now, i think it's is paul walker an object
2: he is to tom to some of
1: <laughs> speaking of paul walker let's see fast five is it actually called fast five yeah they, they're
2: no longer furious even though michelle rodriguez got killed off ah
1: they're they like, settled down they're, they're they
2: were sp- furious that she was alive and now that she's dead like, <laughs> all right now we just go fast and happy <laughs> all
1: right uh let's see that next week and then we'll do uh our three favorite Objects as characters from movies. I'm not sure what to do with that thing. It's, I'm a little like, uh, what? But okay, I'll. I'll... I, am, I am too, believe me, I, I like am it. too. I
0: like it. Uh, do you want to tell us home. what
1: inspired it or would that give it away? Yeah, it would, wouldn't it?
0: No, what inspired it is you talking about Sorcerer the way you did. Is a and sex
2: object a character?
0: Inanimate is, is a key that Tom just said, which I'm glad he said.
2: Oh, okay, so like Jessica Simpson.
0: Right. Uh, is Pris from Blade
1: Runner animate? I don't know.
0: You'll have to make that decision on your own. What
2: about Leon?
1: <laughs>
0: uh,
1: all right, so good. We'll, uh, we'll do... Uh, what about Bubo? ...next week, and we will see Fast Five, and uh, join us for that. Uh, I am Tom Chick, and I've been joined by Christian... Oh, God, is this... Is it Mac- Macross Macroski, I think. Christian McCroskey?
0: Christian Moroski.
1: That's totally what I just said. Uh, and also, right.
0: I was just repeating it because All it right. bears repeating.
1: And also Kelly Wand.
2: In the novel version of Wuthering Heights, Heathcliff is not a cat. <laughs>
1: is that my name in
0: the Yeah, sorry, it, Monica.
1: Y'all are racist talking over the Reagan.
2: Oh, really? Oh, teens, we all had a lot of fun here tonight talking about Victorian romance novels, but abstinence is no joke. I bet it makes you pretty batshit, just like Rochester's batshit wife. So be safe, have sex, listen to podcasts, do drugs, finish every fart. Thanks for listening or for zoning out, and if you paid money for this, you're stealing. I don't make the laws. That was Albert Brooks and Michael Douglas, which is kind of weird, because it not like they're that much younger than Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. Weird. Good night.